Third down, another run. Demarcado. Get on the field. Yeah, he got hustled here. A run, and now it's a total scramble. Emergency mode for the unbeaten home dogs. Thank you for joining in your favorite episode this week with your two favorite geniuses giving our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU sports and some other interesting things across the country. Unfortunately, Barrett tragically died of AIDS, so he is no longer on the podcast. He may recover from his death next week, but we we can only hold out for so much. Um, In the meantime, TCU played Texas this weekend. Jacob, what, what went wrong? I thought that a lot of things went wrong in the first half. I think the scoreline can reflect that. Um, the offense, I don't know whether they just don't have the players to execute what Bryles wants, or if Bryles just sucks, maybe it's a combination of the two. Overall, it, it just isn't good on offense. The defense, frankly, played well enough to win this game. Sonny Dyke said so himself in the press conference. The offense was just sloppy. There were false starts constantly putting us behind the chains in the first half. And it was just just a struggle to get any momentum going. We had the turnover on downs at midfield and gained like 20 yards. Kell nailed like a 56-yard field goal, and that was it. That's really the only drives we had from our offense. The other thing that didn't go necessarily as well as we hoped it would is the cornerback play. This is definitely the corner's worst game of the season. They granted they had to play the best wide receivers that they played all year. So I guess a little bit of regression is to be expected. Helm did not have a good game at all. No, he did not. Newton didn't really have a good game at all. And our safeties are never that good in pass coverage. So combine all of that and you end up losing 26-6 to at halftime. Um, yeah, and then the other thing that didn't go well in that first half was um was that interception. I mean, we changed the game. We won the game on that play. It, it, had that gone right, the rest of the game we make up the three points we need. But we we threw it away and fumbled it away, and I think that 
that gets into what went wrong in the second half where we we actually came out very strong. I, I think part of that, if you look at Texas, they historically do not do well, not historically, but this season they have not done well in the second half. So a lot of our success was, I think, them just kind of melting down. But even beyond that, the announcers gave a statistic during the game that I have not fact-checked. I'm trusting the announcers, and they were really bad announcers. But assuming they're right, they said that this year's TCU has more explosive plays on the season than last year's TCU did at this point in the season. They said, with that statistic in mind, this year's TCU has 50 less explosive plays resulting in a touchdown than last year's TCU did in the end of the season. And I think that really, that's everything that's wrong with our team this year. We, we get that interception and we fumble it away. We get the interception or we, we get the explosive plays that get us to the red zone and we don't turn it into anything. We call two passing plays with a yard to go and don't succeed. Every, every time we get that explosive magic going, we don't have what it takes to finish. And again, we just didn't have what it took to finish today or yesterday. And then the the thing that went most wrong of all, and I don't know how much it was our fault. I think the defense really did their best, but it came down to that final defensive stand we had to make. We had them at third and I want to say three, but third and they were right. They were in their own end zone. And Quinn got off a good enough pass that the wide receiver fell down on his back and caught on his back magically. I don't think our defense really, like, they could have stopped it from getting to that point, but with a catch that ridiculous, I don't know what I want to ask from them. But that was exactly what it was, was it didn't matter what it came down to. We didn't have what it took to finish. And as good as we got in the second half and as much better as we played, we played too late and we didn't play when it mattered most. Along with the interception that turned into a fumble, Hoover's interception was the other killer. Yeah. Did you see Hoover's quote in the postgame interview? No. Hoover said that it, it was his fault for trying to throw a pass that Jesus Christ himself couldn't make. At I least. I don't love his wording of that. However, he's right. He, yeah. He, he made a very poor decision. And that's seven po- or six points because I think that was the one where they botched the uh, the extra point. But that's six points off the board. And that's right, game, there. right there. Yep, that's the game. I mean, so, it, literally, it, it was. And, you know, the reality also, there's been a lot of complaining I've seen on Twitter about the officiating. And the officiating was really bad, like, to be fair. However, we... As bad as we are and as bad as the officiating is, none of that should have mattered. If we made slightly better decisions, we we could have won that game. And we we deserved to lose because we, when it mattered, we gave it away. Yeah, I will say the officiating was some of the worst that I've ever seen. And the from... announcers were just there supporting the awful officiating. Man, oh my gosh. The... the touchdown that I think it was Mitchell had on Josh Newton where the announcers are like, Oh, it's a little bit of a push off, but that's okay. Everybody does a little bit of a push off. 
And what made it so much worse was not just that it was, as you pointed out, oh, it's a little bit of a push, but it's okay because it's Texas. What made it so much worse was that every time, every single time TCU did the same kind of decision, they'd say, oh, you know, TCU, you just got to be smarter than that. I mean, uh, this is college football. You got to be smarter than that. You got to be better than that. I would say that I was like, I, I don't drink, but I'm pretty sure if any grown adult had drank every time they said, TCU, you just got to be smarter than that, they would have killed themselves. I mean, the announcers said it every time they got the chance. But then when Texas makes the same mistakes, it's like, oh, well, you know, everybody tries that. Drove me up a wall. Yeah, the announcers were terrible. Although the announcers have been bad all season. Yeah. Something needs to change. And ESPN already cleaned house. (laughs) So maybe they got rid of all of the wrong people. ESPN, I'm telling you right now, TCU's three wise men, if Barrett comes back from the dead from his AIDS, are all available to be ESPN announcers if you'd like us to. We'll do better, we promise. And probably do it for less money. Barrett actually can do better if he's still dead with AIDS. He'll still do better than the <laughs> announcers. Um, with that, uh, who is our golden player? Who Who actually played well in this game that wasn't great? Well, I think there's one player who is the obvious choice, and that is Savion Williams. This is the game that we've all been waiting for him to have. 11 catches, 164 yards, and a touchdown. He was phenomenal. I was talking to Connor before we started, and I said, just look what happens when you target him. He catches it and makes things happen. Well, and the truth of the matter is, Hoover didn't play exceptionally well. And we can get into why that was, but at the end of the day, it wasn't great. The fact that Savion had that good of a stat line in a game where we weren't rocking our best quarterback play really makes that stat line even more impressive. They Um, couldn't guard him. No, they They just couldn't guard him. Everything the announcers said about Xavier Worthy was true about Savion Williams. Absolutely. Um, then for our Franken-sensational player, we've got Jamoy Hodge. He had 11 tackles and seven solo tackles, led the team in tackles. He did really well. And like we said, the defense played well enough to win the game. He was our leading tackler on a defense that really played well enough to win the game. I... I don't know if he was the one who hurt Brooks. I shouldn't be celebrating that, but there's a little evil sadistic part of me that is because it was a very clean tackle and I don't feel guilty for how we hit him. I feel bad that he got hurt, but at the end of the day, we just did our job and Jamoy did his job. Absolutely deserves the Frankensensational tackle. And of course, for all my sass and rudeness, prayers for Brooks and whatnot, I do hope he recovers slightly after the Big 12 championship. And he's last not, but not least, done. what'd you say? He's done. He tore his ACL. Oh, he's done? Yeah. That sucks. All right. Well, whoever wins the Big 12 championship better thank us for that, and then I'll feel bad for him. Um, <laughs> lastly, Jacob, who do we want for our player we want to see Murr out of? So I'm going to give this to a group of players who I believe we've given it to already this season. I think they've fought hard for this award before. They have. And that's the offensive line. And I actually do want to say this. 
they played better than I thought they were going to. <laughs> That's how much faith I had in the offensive line going into this game. Yeah, Jacob and I talked about this before this episode started, that we were thinking about giving it to Hoover because there was a lot wrong there. But at the end of the day, for all of the mistakes Hoover made, you really can't blame him so much because he just didn't have the time. Like the OL didn't have what it took to protect him. And realistically, he's not the world's best quarterback. And I don't know what it would have looked like behind a great offensive line, but I know what it would have looked like behind a not so great offensive line. And at the end of the day, they, they did not protect him the way we needed them to. And when you have first and four from the four yard line, yeah. Or first and goal from the four-yard line. And you get negative two yards on the first two plays when you try and run it up the middle. Like, the inside of this offensive line was supposed to be a strong spot on the team. And it's the weakest part of the offense. And that's saying something because we don't know what we are doing at quarterback. We had to throw, we had to throw the ball twice inside the five on third and fourth downs to try and score a touchdown. And... Neither were particularly close. Yeah, that was just so bad. So, offensive line, please get your crap together. Although, there's only two games, so... Well, I will be at our next game, so get your crap together for that game. And moving into that, we have got a game coming up next week against a team that is not very good, has never been very good. We've pretty much dominated this since we joined the Big 12. However. It has always been a nail-biter. It is a rivalry. Weird things happen in rivalries. They suck a lot, but we're not exactly great. Jacob, tell me what you expect to see in the revivalry. Listeners, you'll note I'm not calling it the mother-trucking blue bonnet circle nonsense. Blue, not blue bonnet circle. Blue bo- Battle for blue bonnet. <laughs> My name was just as good as their bad one. It is the Revivalry. Tell me what you expect to see in the Revivalry, Jacob. A TCU win is what I expect to see, but I've expected that several times this season, and it hasn't panned out for me. But in terms of Baylor, they're not a good team. They got beat by Kansas State just as bad as we did, if not worse. They're 3-7 and seven on the season, so they have one less win than us. Their quarterback is Blake Shapin. He had a decent game against Kansas State, but overall he's an exceptionally decent quarterback. Nothing special about him. Their running back is actually a former TCU commit, who then we signed Zach Evans. And this guy decommitted from us and then went to Oklahoma State for a couple years. Now he's at Baylor, uh, Dominic Richardson. He's not a bad player. Not a good player. Again, exceptionally decent. Their wide receivers are pass catchers. They got three. Drake Dabney and Josh Cameron are the two guys on the outside who we need to worry about. Dabney's a deep threat guy, I think, with some run after the catch ability. And then the third guy we need to look at is Dawson Pendergrass. He's a running back, fullback hybrid. He's kind of their pass catching back out of the backfield. Ultimately, I think we'll be able to run all over them. Imani Bailey is better than anybody they have on their team. 
So Hoover hopefully has a relatively easy day and Bryles just does what the obvious thing to do is, and that is run the ball. So hopefully we don't get too cute with it. I don't know that I believe Bryles will do what the obvious thing is because Bryles has a gift for finding out the wrong thing to do and doing that. The good news is I think you're really right about them not being a great team. Uh, I think, like I said, I'm going to this game and I'm very excited for it. As bad as we are, I expect this game to look like the BYU or the Houston or the SMU game because we're we're bad, but they're they're really bad. I I expect to have a fun game. I last week bet on TCU money line and Texas against or to cover the spread. So either way, I'd get something. And it decided to come right in the middle. So I'm never betting on a TCU game again. That's what I get for breaking the golden rule. But if I would bet on a TCU game, the spread is not out yet. But whatever they give, I'd probably give us the cover. I feel really good about this game just because it is a rivalry. Weird things do happen. But it's our last home game. The students are going to show up as big as they can. We're going to be excited. We're going to play. This is our season at this point. We're We're probably not getting a bowl game unless we get some miracle win over Oklahoma. Realistically, this is everything that's left this season. We're going to give everything we've got left. And I I think we should railroad them. Even even with as bad as it is, the ESPN analytics little predictor has us at like 85% because Baylor is just that bad. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, you were saying the students were going to show up, and I do want to give props to the students and all of the fans who went to the Texas game because from the pictures that were posted and from the stream that I watched the first half of, it was an awesome environment. I had several people say that it was the fullest they'd ever seen the Carter. And for anyone who was watching the very exciting student section, when they looked over at the Live Ma student section call out, the shirtless man painted purple that they highlighted on the screen for a few minutes is Jacob and Mai's fraternity brother. (laughs) With with that, do we have anything else we want to say or are we ready to move on to the uh, picks for the week? I I know in 2017 and 2018, really 2018 because 2017 was a great year. But I remember talking to you when we were still on campus saying, like, yeah, TCU could have a crap year. But if we beat Baylor, then it wasn't that crap of a year. I, if we go 1-11, but the one is Baylor, I'll live. I won't be thrilled. I'd like to do better than that. But I, if we go 1-11 and and the one is Baylor, that's going to feel freaking good. As long as we kick the teeth in of... Those dirty, awful bears, I will be happy. Completely agree with you. All right, so we are going to go into our picks for the week now. We are standing at Jacob in first place with 146, Barrett in an enormously close second place at 145, and me in a respectable distant third of 121. (laughs) But when I sweep this week, it'll be neck and neck again. (laughs) First game we've got this week is TCU at Baylor. No, dear Lord, Baylor at TCU. 
I am never going to pick Baylor. Even if I would, I'm always going to pick TCU. And even if I wouldn't, TCU is winning this because Baylor sucks. Jacob, who are you running with? I'm in the same boat as you. TCU is going to take it. And I have luckily found in Barrett's will that he left after he died of AIDS that he did leave his picks for this last week. Right on his deathbed, Barrett told us that TCU was going to beat Baylor. <laughs> uh, UCF at Tech. Who are you going with, Jacob? I am going to take, I think I'm going to take UCF. They looked really good against Oklahoma State this past week. So my I'm going to take UCF. This, my picks this week for both the UCF game and the Oklahoma State game are deeply unconvinced. Because after that game, I have literally no idea what to make of either of those teams. But I'm going with UCF as well, which means Texas Tech is going to win because Barrett did call that as his upset pick. Or I don't know if it's – it's got to be an upset pick. OU at BYU, Jacob. OU is going to take this one pretty easily, I think. Barrett and I both agree with you and both are going with OU. I think that should be a blowout. And quite frankly, if it's not, that's a great sign for us going forward. Um, Cincinnati at West Virginia, Jacob. I'm going to take West Virginia here. Rivalry game, but I think home home field advantage is going to do the Mountaineers some good. I did the same thing. Barrett is going with Cincinnati. I think West Virginia... Morgantown's a tough place to play. Cincinnati doesn't have to travel as far as we do to get there, but Morgantown's always a tough place to play. I, I'm giving that to West Virginia. Oklahoma State at Houston. Oklahoma State, there's no way they lose two games in a row, especially with Houston's defense. Uh, we're all sweeping. Barrett agrees with that as well. We're all taking Oklahoma State. Even as, as rough as last week looked, Houston is not that good. Oklahoma State is not going to drop that again. Uh, the, is it the Sunflower Showdown, K-State at KU? I got no clue, but I'm going to take Kansas State. They're on fire. I think this will be a really fun game to watch, though. I am giving it to Kansas. They deserve it. They're finally good at football again. It's at Kansas. It's a rivalry game. I'm giving this to Kansas. I think it's going to be, like you said, though, really fun. to. It's going to be... I guess last year it was probably enjoyable, but really it's been a while since the Sunflower Showdown was worth watching, and this is going to be a good game. I want to say Kansas has a chance if Jason Bean plays. Mm -hmm. if, if they're on their third-string quarterback, Kansas State runs away with this game. That's fair. All right, last game in the Big 12, Texas at Iowa State. Jacob. Night game in Ames. And you know what that means. Everybody's going to be able to watch Texas blow out Iowa State. Jacob, you are picking alone on this game. Both Barrett and I have bet on the beauty that is weird things happen at night in Ames. I do have to say, even with weird things happening at night in Ames, I think I've lost my season under bet on Texas. They've got to go over two in the next two. I'm not feeling great about that. But either way, I am taking Iowa State, and so is Barrett as well. Um, I have to say that the Big 12 has way better games this week than the rest. I, I picked a couple games anyway for our other games around the country. Um, 
But other than the games I picked, there are not that many, like, go-to games to pick between. The Big 12 is a much more fun place to watch right now, in my opinion. But Georgia at Tennessee. I'm going to take Georgia in a landslide. So do Barrett and I. I noticed very clear weaknesses that Georgia had at the beginning of the season. But they got them together, and I tried to cling to my commitment that they had those weaknesses, but they seemed to have figured them out. And Tennessee has seemed to go the other direction. So I, I think Georgia blows Tennessee out. I'm also thinking I'm giving up on my season under bet on Georgia. <laughs> um, Washington at Oregon State. Oh, and Barrett also takes Georgia, I should mention. Washington at Oregon State. I think that this will be a really fun game. I'm assuming it's going to be the Pac-12 after dark, one of the last ones. I'm going to go with Oregon State here. I'm going to take the home team. Washington's defense has been piss poor the past two weeks. They allowed Utah to score like 25 points. That should be illegal. Um, You're picking alone again. Barrett and I both took Washington on this one. Um, at this point, Washington or Oregon are the Pac-12's only hope at getting into the uh, into the CFP for the very end for their victory lap. If the refs know what they're doing, Washington better win this game. Frankly, Washington is our only hope of keeping Texas out. Yeah, another reason to root for Washington. Yeah, so because um, if there's but- an undefeated ACC with Florida State. Undefeated Big Ten with either Michigan or Ohio State. Then you have Georgia or Alabama, who's been looking really good recently. Yeah, Alabama then, looked really bad at the beginning of the season. But they all these teams that I called out for their weaknesses at the beginning of the season, I was right about their weaknesses, but they also noticed them and they fixed them. But then you have undefeated Washington for the Pac-12. There's no way you can put in a one-loss team over an undefeated team. So if there are four undefeated teams, Texas is left out of the playoffs, and the country can celebrate. All right. All the more reason I'm picking Washington. Utah at Arizona, Jacob. I'm going to take Arizona. I know they had a dogfight with Colorado this week, but I think they're really good somehow. This is going to be a really good Big 12 matchup this weekend. Uh, Barrett went with Utah, but I'm with you, Jacob. I I think Arizona is going to pull it out. Um, But it'll be a fun game either way. Last but not least, we got UCLA at USC. Last of this section, Jacob. I don't know. I don't really know much about either of these teams other than USC's defense is crap. I'll take... USC, Caleb Williams finally does something notable. I am also taking USC. I know USC has not been excellent. I believe UCLA has been much worse. And I picked this game intentionally because I knew Barrett didn't have the heart to pick USC. He always picks against his his family. So I knew he would pick the losing team, and I put this in our round so I could get three points against Barrett. He's taking UCLA. You and I will be taking USC. Now, for our three-point round, this I, I have a theme for this week. 
because we're going into Thanksgiving, D3 does not play as many games going into Thanksgiving week. There are only three D3 games for this weekend. We're picking all three D3 games, and we're committing to the entirety of the Division Three football for our three-point round. First, we have Middlebury at Colby. Um, listen, I know Colby very well. He's a good buddy of mine. He's also Connor's brother. So I gotta, I gotta ride with Colby. So I've known my brother my whole life. I don't <laughs> think he can take. I guess his whole life. I'm older, but I don't think he can take on an entire university's football team by himself. But. I mean, blood's thicker than water. I got to root for him. I'm taking Colby. And you know what? That is across the board. All three of us are picking my little brother to beat Middlebury. Well, I mean, Next week, I love Colby, yeah. but he's no Will Peterson. No, he's not. Although Will Peterson also lost, sadly. That's true. <laughs> although speaking of our past, uh, past mystery game, or not mystery, past small games, I will say um, – Two states are better than Bloomsburg. Indiana, Pennsylvania blew Bloomsburg out of the water, 31 to 0. You can't beat two states. All right, next we got Trinity at Bowdoin. B O W D O I N, however you pronounce that. Bowdoin. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Bowdoin just because I don't know how to say it. That is also what Barrett went with. He did not give me his reasoning in his will, but he's going the same route. Trinity sounds like a Christian school. I'm taking them. God is with them. Um, lastly, we have Williams at Bates. Jacob. Well, these are two just single name icons going yeah, after absolutely. each other. This is like the Beyonce versus the McLovin of the Division Three football world. I'm going to take Williams because I just realized that I picked a lot of this round the same as Barrett, and I need to separate myself more. So I'm going to take Williams. Well, Barrett, as you know, is picking Bates. I am with Barrett again. I'm taking Bates as well. Last but not least, for our mystery pick, last week in the mystery game, because it was Veterans Day, it was Merchant Marine against Coast Guard. Merchant Marine won 39 to 27 in the Secretary's Cup. And Merchant Marine was number was team two, which just absolutely screwed me over. Uh, this week, XL has chosen for me that I am number one going with team one. Barrett has chosen team two. Jacob, who do you have? I've picked the same as Barrett for the past couple weeks, and it's done me wonders. But this week, I think the man who knows everything mystery-wise is going to be just a little bit off, and Team One's going to take it. All right, Jacob, ride with me on Team One. Here we go. And moving on forward, now that our picks are done, we have got some other stuff going around TCU this week. We our or this past week we had our women's basketball team take a W over Oral Roberts 76 to 56 and a W over Texas AM Kingsville 86 to 48. Not to mention 
boding well for our upcoming matchup in football this weekend. Our volleyball team beat number 20 Baylor three to one and then played them again and beat them three to two. So we destroyed those weak, pathetic bears. And we're going to do so again this coming week. And lastly, we had equestrian, always one of our better sports. Again, we kicked Baylor's teeth in 14 to six. Baylor is number eight. We played against them and we, I believe that's kicking their teeth in 14 to six sounds like a large differential. I don't watch enough equestrian to know, but I feel very confident about that. And I expect a similar proportion in the score next weekend. All that being said, what y'all came here for, it's that time of year. It's basketball time. What happened this week, Jacob? Well, this week we started off 2-0 with two blowouts. Now, that might not seem like much to you. But last year, we won our first game of the season on the last second shot. And we won our second game of the season in very close fashion as well. So the fact and that we got comforting wins. Our first game that we won, as much of a gimme game as Southern is, Southern turned around and beat UNLV, who's a Mountain West team. And it was a it was supposed to be a gimme game for UNLV, and Southern won that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not mad about either of the games. I'll never complain about two wins, much less two blowouts. Although I will say we're now one and one against the spread. So we got to get that percentage up. But I think that'll happen with more games. Was the Southern game the one we lost against the spread on? No, we won that one. It was the Omaha game. Okay. Yeah, we were like five points off. But... Omaha game, we recapped the Southern game in the midweek episode of Round Ball Review. The Omaha game, it was an ugly game, and that's just to put it mildly, but it was a blowout win nonetheless. Jacoby Coles rebounded from a not-so-good offensive game in the first game to being our top scorer this game. He was fantastic. He couldn't miss. He did everything correct. No complaints about any of his play, really, offensively or defensively. He's done really well on both sides of the ball, especially in the game against Omaha. Uh, Uday rebounded the ball like we thought he would. He didn't necessarily have very many rebounds against Southern. Against Omaha, he had 11. That's what we need our bigs to do. Our bigs have to rebound. Jameer Nelson continued to play really well and really consistently. Double-digit points, five assists, five rebounds, couple steals. That's what we need from him through the season. If he can provide us that every week, I think we'll automatically be in most of the games that we play. And then I'm going to talk about my favorite guy, Mustafa. I think he might be our best big. He's absolutely our most well-rounded big. His ceiling definitely isn't as high as Uday's or even Cork's, but he is consistently in the right place and does the right things. And right now, I think he is the best big on our team, which you wouldn't say going into the season. I I, I did say it going into the season, but most people would, wouldn't say it going into the season. Um, 
I think he's going to be really big for us down the stretch. He actually played the most minutes of all of the bigs in the game against Omaha with 15 minutes played. PV didn't have as good of a game this the, in the second game, but that's fine. I still think that with his athletic ability, he's going to be a mismatch against just about every team we play if we start him as the two. 6'7", 6'8", with his speed. You can't guard that, and he's going to be a mismatch everywhere on the court. We didn't shoot very well against Omaha. We were 20% from, from three, but a lot of the threes that we missed were open shots. We did shoot 90% from the free throw line, though, which to me is almost a more important stat than three-point shooting. And I think we still scored above 80 points even with the 20% three-point shooting. I also 100% agree with you that it's a more important stat. I get the argument that it's not, but it it's – I say this every episode. It's been so long since we could shoot free throws. At the end of the day, the threes are great, and they're – like if you want to win games, you got you to gotta make threes. But if you can't even make your free throws, those, those are – they're literally supposed to be free. That's the whole concept. Now, obviously, you're not expected to hunt, but the, the low percentage we've had in past years is – horrifying and it's so good to see our team making them again completely agree with you something else i'd like to see us improve on is our assist to field goal uh ratio in the past game really the past two games it hasn't been great against omaha we had 19 assists on 35 baskets 55 56 percent of the time we had an assist if we want to be that fast break team a cutting team motion offense, we need to get that to around 70, 75%. And also it just shows you're playing good team basketball. If on 70% of your baskets, you have an assist. I thought the second half in particular though, was really good from us. We came out of halftime firing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We only shot two free throws that half would love for us to get to the line more, but ultimately Again, you can't really complain about a blowout win early in the season. Good teams win the games that they're supposed to win. And we we have thus far. Yeah, and I I saw somebody criticizing us on Twitter for the fact that our first like seven games are nobody games. And I've got to say, one, like you already pointed out, Last year, we were losing nobody games and having nail biters against nobody games. So quite frankly, I will take it that we're beating them. And the other thing, and this is not my own point, someone, I stole this from someone on Twitter. If it's you, thank, if you're listening, thank you for giving me this piece of advice I stole. Um, but it was, we're in the Big 12. Our strength of schedule is ridiculous. We don't need to play monster teams these first few weeks. We need to get wins. Yeah, and you're quite you're frankly good for us. Right. We're winning, like you said, good teams beat the teams they should, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. With and that, oh no, go ahead. We could always be Oklahoma State, who lost to Abilene Christian. Yeah. So, or West it, Virginia, who lost to Monmouth. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. I'm very happy to see us having convincing wins over weak teams. Absolutely. Um, with that, we're playing UTRGV ABC 347. 
UT, UTRGV this week, Tuesday at 7. What are we expecting, Jacob? So Rio Grande is the, is, is the school, UT Rio Grande. And they're 1-1. One one. They have a win against Southwestern Adventist and a loss against South Dakota. I think they might be the only team to have both scored 100 points in one game and then given up 100 points in the next game. It's an impressive stat. I wouldn't want my team to have done that, but impressive nonetheless. They're not a good three-point shooting team. For the season, they're a 21% shooting team. That's not good. Although, even though they're not very good, they shoot a lot of threes. Uh, Over a third of their shots are three-pointers. I think like 60 of their 160 attempts have been threes. They just have made like 20. So they're uh, they're not a good shooting team. They have two guys who we really need to watch out for. First guy is named Elijah Elliott. He's a guard. He averages 22 points per game. Again, not a good shooter. Does shoot a lot. He's more of a scorer. He has 4.5 assists and 4 rebounds per game as well. The other guy is a forward named Aaron Freeman. He's averaging 15 points per game and and 6.5 rebounds a game through two games in the season. Those are two guys we need to key in on. Honestly, I think this will be another game like Southern. It could get it could get interesting if they catch fire though because of how many threes they do shoot. Well, I was just thinking that. I was because the end of the day, if you shoot a lot of threes, you're not going to suddenly get more talented. You're probably going to be that bad three point shooter throughout the whole season. But you're going to have one game where just by accident, if you're shooting that many, you're eventually going to hit some. So hopefully they give up 100 again this time. And we, we being a team that's now hit 100, go for it again. But at the end of the day, they just by the statistics of shooting that many threes, they could accidentally go off. Exactly. So it could turn into something interesting. And honestly, our three-point defense hasn't been exceptional this year. So, something to keep an eye on. I still think we cover the spread. It'll probably be like 26 to 30 points, like normal. And then, see if it's out. Yeah. Friday, we play Mississippi Valley State. They're 0 2. Their two losses are a 60 to 106 point loss to LSU and a 43 to 82 point loss to OU. Something interesting about Mississippi Valley State is that in their first 13 games of the season, they play LSU, OU, UConn, TCU, Santa Clara, Gonzaga, and Baylor. They play at seven seven NCAA tournament teams, I believe, from last year. We were talking about this in uh, you, Barrett, and I recently, and I can't remember if it was you or Barrett, but one of you two made the joke that they're earning their entire year's athletic budget in those 13 games, and they're just letting their players die in order to make that money. So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. 
But it's got to be depressing for their players just to get absolutely destroyed nine in and nine out. They've lost both games by, well, one game by 39 points and the other by 46. That's just, how much of that can you take? But I will say, though, even with them not being good, it'll I think it'll be a good measuring stick for us to see how we are as opposed to all of these other decent teams, good teams that are playing them. Like, do we play them about the same as Gonzaga or UConn, or do we play them like an OU, who I personally don't think is going to be that good this year? So I, I know transitive wins – doesn't it doesn't always always work but it's something interesting to look at for the beginning of the season transitive wins don't prove us anything but at the end of the day they're what we have right now like they're what we're able to they're the only thing we can look at right now and until we have more they're not a bad measuring stick they tell no. us something absolutely I will say, contrasting with Rio Grande, this is a decent three-point shooting team. Uh, they will also probably shoot a lot of them. They have, again, two guys that we need to pay attention to. Raekwon Brown, who's a 6'6 guard, pretty big guy. Uh, will be interesting to see who we put on him. I guess what it would be PV and Anderson when they're on the court. He averages 15.5 points per game with five rebounds. He's their best player. He never leaves the court. If he does, it's for one to two minutes a game. The other guy they got is Areco Gibson. He's a forward. He averages 10.5 points per game and five rebounds. I think we win this game by about 40, right on par with both LSU and OU. It would be great to win by 50. Uh, let's get to 100. Frankly, in both of these games, I think we have a chance. So... Yeah, that that's what we got. That's what we got this this week. Yeah, I think I'd, we should... I'd like to see us get to 100 in at least one of them. I to ask for 100 in both, even against bad teams, like stuff happens that's weird. I'll feel yeah. very good if we're reassessing a week from now and we got to 100 in at least one of these two games because we should. Yeah, I mean, both teams have given up 100 points, so um, I wouldn't put it past us scoring 100 in both. Yeah, well, and like we talked about, transitive wins don't tell us anything, don't tell us everything, but they tell us something. LSU put up 100 on uh, UTR, or no, on Mississippi State, Mississippi Valley State. Let's do the same thing. Yeah, no reason absolutely. we can't. Uh, with that, we've now seen two games from each of these teams in the Big 12. Our preseason poll had it at Kansas, Houston, Texas, Baylor. TCU at five, K-State, who has now lost to number 20 USC, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, who lost to, to Monmouth, Oklahoma State, who lost to Abilene Christian, Abilene Christian, Cincinnati, OU, BYU, UCF, and UCF is there at 14 with a loss to number 13 Miami. Let's talk about what we think we're going to see from the Big 12. Um, I've got a couple thoughts for what I think are coming. I think that the preseason poll was right about two things. I think Kansas is going to be number one. 
And I think UCF is going to be number 14. My only knowledge of UCF basketball comes from our NIT semifinal game against them. (laughs) Now, we've gotten better than we were at the NIT, so maybe they have to. But we beat them by like 20 or 30 points pretty comfortably in the NIT, and we met them in the NIT. And I haven't heard much about them since then. I've seen them come in as the last ranked one. So that's kind of a signal to me that they're not expected to be much better than they have been in the past. They lost to Miami. Miami is the number 13 team. That's I'm not unimpressed by the fact that they lost to Miami, but they haven't done anything to impress me. I do expect them to be 14. I expect us to hold out or Kansas to hold out at number one. I, I'm not, as good with basketball as I am with other sports. So it's tough for me to predict TCU. So with that, I'm going to let my heart give it a little bit. I, we're going to number three. I'm not going to say we're going to be number one. I, Kansas is going to be out there. I think, I think unfortunately Baylor is ahead of us. I think Houston, however, falls somewhat. I think they have to have an impressive season. I said this last week, they got in on being good at basketball. They better stay in at basketball. They, they better be good enough to show that they were worth picking up for being good at basketball. But I remember when we joined the Big 12 and we went 4-8 and eight the following season in football. It's hard to move up to a big boy conference. I think Houston falls down a little bit. But I think they stay in the top five or six. Those are my predictions. What do you got, Jacob? So I'll just run you down from 1 to 14 for my predictions. Oh, you've got and better I predictions think, than I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think there are four tiers in the big 12 this year. I think they're the, they're two favorites to win the conference. And I actually disagree with you on one of them. I think Kansas will finish in first, but I think Houston will finish in second. Okay. I, I think their program has shown enough in the NCAA tournament. They might have one or two bad losses. Everybody does mm-hmm. though in the big 12. So I think they'll, they'll end up second and that's the first group. I, I just have them labeled as favorites. And then the next three groups, I think everybody in each of those groups is relatively interchangeable. I have TCU finishing in third. Again, a little bit of a homer. But I think we can do it with the team that we have. And then Iowa State actually finishing in fourth, which is much higher than I think most people have them. And then Texas at five. Texas probably has the best guards in the conference however they're small i think if teams can figure out how to play a little bit of bully ball with max asmus and tyrese hunter i think they might struggle a little bit down the stretch and then so that that's that's my contenders three through five and then at six i have baylor seven i have kansas state Eight, I have BYU, and then nine, I have Texas Tech. Baylor, I think Barrett said that they'd probably take a step back because they're losing a lot of production. I agree. They probably will take a step back. Kansas State lost to USC. USC's a top 20 team right now. Again, that's fine. First game of the season, They'll work their way into things. I just don't think they're as good as the six ahead of them. BYU is kind of my wild card in here. I was going to say, that was my first – when you said that, my eyebrows raced. Yeah, 
they beat a top 25 team. Uh, they're the only only uh, Big 12 team right now to have a top 25 win. They beat uh, San Diego State the last game. You might know know this because they had the video of one of their players going, well, you better shut the F up to like a fan or something like that. And everybody was roasting him. A BYU player said that? Yeah, he was like, you, you just tell him to shut the F up. Well, because it's BYU, I have to ask. Did he say, Did are you saying F to censor it for the podcast? Or did he say the letter F? Like, did he not say the word? He said the letter F. He said That's verbatim, amazing. you better shut the F up. <laughs> well, I will say, I, I don't want to stereotype too much, but I'm going to stereotype a little bit here and say that I assume that BYU is really good at fundamentals. You know, I have no clue. I haven't watched them. I just know their home court advantage is automatically going to be one of the best in the Big 12. And even last year, they weren't awful. I, I just think they're going to surprise some teams this year. I really do. I, I, I have them with eight. I think they can contend for a top half finish in the conference. Uh, at nine, Texas Tech. Um, I think they'll be good. They'll beat a couple teams they shouldn't. They'll lose games that they shouldn't. I, I think they'll be average, probably an NCAA tournament team. Then the last grouping I have, I just have labeled as like meh or piss poor. That's Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF, and then finishing in last, I have OU. Oklahoma State, man, you lost to Abilene Christian. Like, come on. I think they'll be better. I actually think they will rebound from that. Like, teams have bad losses all the time. Oklahoma State will probably rebound, which is why I have them at 10 rather than behind. But come on. Cincinnati, I don't know much about their their uh, program, so I just kind of left them where they were. That's uh, West Virginia – Again, you lost to Monmouth. Come on, man. Be better. I know you don't have the all-star guard, Kerr Chrissa, right now because he's a douchebag. There are a few rules. men in this world that I dislike more than Kerr Chrissa. He definitely cracks my top ten. Awesome. I cannot wait for Kirk Chrissa to come into Fort Worth and be just so warmly, warmly taken in by the TCU fans at the Schulmeyer. All right, TCU fans, I've been in Lubbock for a few months now. I'm not normally calling for this, but at the Schulmeyer, that day we play West Virginia, I want every one of you to hit Kirk Chrissa with a tortilla. <laughs> I haven't learned much here, but I've learned that, and I want it to happen. <laughs> Honestly, wouldn't be mad. Wouldn't I'd be mad at all. I'd only be mad that that's all we did to him. Yeah. Uh, UCF and OU, I think OU's a little bit stinky this year. They lost basically all of their production from last year, and I don't know if they, if they uh, replaced it. Like I said, I think – Every team in that bottom five is kind of interchangeable to me. I think I think grouping them in in groups is is better to do. Yeah, that's the fair. rank 
you never you don't never know with rankings. But yeah. that being said, we can share Barrett's rankings because they were also in his will that he gave to us before he passed away from the AIDS. Barrett has Kansas at number one because they have a strong starting five and they're great all around. He has Texas at number two because he thinks that Disu will pair nicely with strong guard play from Hunter and Asmus. TCU at three because we have more shooting and depth to balance the team. Houston at four. He expects them to take a step back with a harder schedule than they're used to, but they're still a great team. Kansas State at five. Iowa State at six. Baylor at seven because he expects them to take a step back Lost a lot of production. Basically what we've both said. Cincy at 8. Underrated, strong defense, balanced scoring. Tech at 9. Oklahoma State at 10. West Virginia at 11 because they have no depth and no Bob Huggins. BYU at 12. He thinks they're sneaky, underrated, good shooting. Will be really good for a few home wins as upsets. Both of you have BYU as sneaky, underrated. That's very interesting. I don't know if putting them as finishing in 12th is sneaky underrated. I don't know either, but he used the word sneaky underrated, and you ranked them as genuinely sneaky underrated. Yeah, I, I'm high on BYU, man. I said it in the last episode too. Like I think they're gonna I think they're gonna surprise some people. Barrett rounds it out with OU at 13 and then UCF at 14. All right, well. Hopefully, by this time next week, doctors will have discovered a cure for AIDS and for death, and Barrett will have returned to us. Um, But, you know, we'll see. Otherwise, thank you all so much for tuning in to your two favorite geniuses, RIP one favorite genius, and us giving our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU sports and other things around the country. Follow us on Twitter at TCU's Three Wise Men, and otherwise, go Frogs! Two out of three, baby. Now don't be sad. Cause two out of three.